I always feel like church should start off with Ben Affleck. I just feel like that's like a good way to get into the Word of God. Um, I'm, I'm going to be on, totally honest with you. I'm, to, I'm a total sucker for anything World War II. I'm I'm so unbelievably fascinated with World War II. And so my wife likes to make fun of me because she'll regularly come in and I'm like watching a new documentary for World War II just to express to you all of my nerdery. Um, But I I love World War II. And what I think I feel most fascinated by is the the total willingness of the the men and women of that generation to just dive in. And uh, often I think that generation's referred to as the greatest generation. And I think that's true in many ways just because of the eagerness that they had to go and to give and to, to give of their lives, to give of their service and to give uh, of their duty to the nation and the country. So it was something really powerful. And I, I actually love that quote that you saw there with Ben Affleck where he says, listen, I'm, I'm not anxious to die, but I am anxious to matter. I'm anxious to matter. And the truth is, is that's every one of us. We, we might be, a, you know, we might not be in the middle of 1940 and feeling like, hey, the way that we matter is to run off to war. But I do know this, every one of us wants to matter in some way, form, or fashion. We want to have meaning and purpose in everything that we're doing. And now, we don't always necessarily experience that, but there is something that's hardwired into the human framework that wants to actually mean something. We want to do something. We want to be a part of something big and great. And grand, and so the question becomes: Well, how do I matter? How do I actually matter? In what ways do I matter in this life? What what am I doing, and what's my purpose? And we ask that uh, question often, and I'd say even especially uh, with respect to our jobs, like what we do on a week in and week out basis, what we do in a day and day out basis. Because the truth is, is if if we're being honest. We sometimes go to our jobs and we don't necessarily feel a lot of purpose. Or you might even be asking the question, do I actually matter? I mean, I go to a job and I wake up and I'm trying to accomplish something and certainly I need to provide for the family in some way, form or fashion. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. This is what I'm trying to do. But you don't necessarily feel a lot of purpose in it always. Or you don't necessarily feel like we're mattering. In fact, what we do is we'll see incredible stories whether it's documentaries, World War II, or otherwise, we'll see incredible stories of things that people have done, ways that they have shifted cultures or ways that people have had an impact uh, in, in big ways in society. And you'll look at that and you'll go, man, that's really incredibly amazing. Um, and we might look at what we're doing and go, but I, I don't feel that. I don't feel that about myself. I don't feel that about what I'm doing. I remember... Um, uh, my very my very first job, I got a job at basically it was it was Foot Locker. It was it was actually it was called Athletic Express. They were the sister store to Foot Locker, and Foot Locker had all the cool shoes, and then Athletic Express had the mom shoes. <laughs> and um, and so every once in a while we'd get a cool shoe, but mostly we were just trying to have shoes that and and honestly it was like for families and you know you're trying to outfit tons of kids with shoes, and so we had a lot of those kinds of shoes, and so. Uh, People would come into our store, and I, you know, it was my first job, so it felt really, really cool to me. Um, and, and I remember doing it. But the the coolest thing that would happen in all of that job, I mean, it, you know, I would go in and we'd try to sell shoes, and we'd have to run stock and put all the boxes in the right place, and we get shipments of shoes in and all that kind of stuff. 
But the, the coolest thing I actually ever remember about that job was when an actual real athlete would come in, like someone that was uh, that running marathons or something like that. And they'd come in and they were looking for a particular, they're looking for a shoe that would work for whatever they were doing that they might need. Back in the day in the 90s, they were called cross trainers. They, call, they still call sneakers cross trainers? No? Do they even call shoes sneakers? Why did I just say sneaker? That's so weird. You know what? Do y'all remember cross trainers? Is that still a thing? This is literally the most unathletic church I've ever seen in my life. You're like, I don't know. I wear Sunday school dress shoes every day. Okay, all right. Okay, so clearly I'm gonna have to retool some of the illustrations here. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm in, and, and there would be, a, 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 there would be a, a guy or a lady that would come in and they'd say, hey, here's what we're trying to do. And, and I, I, knowing all of this stuff, I'd go, hey, here's the perfect shoe. And they'd be able to put that shoe on and figure it out and say, this is going to be perfect for what I need. About the most, but I, I remember the, my first job, I'm just trying to sell some shoes, but I think the, the thing that actually impacted me the most was when I was actually able to help somebody find something that would help them accomplish what they wanted to do. That was the sense, I'm 15 and 16 years old going, this is the coolest part of what I'm doing. Every one of us is hardwired to want to matter to make a difference some way in people's lives. And that's what this series has actually been about is the fact that our work actually matters. What we do matters. And I wanna say again, and I'll repeat from last week that listen, what we do in no way, form or fashion defines who we are. It doesn't define who we are as human beings, but it does matter to God. And what we discovered even from last week is that in fact, we were actually designed to work that we were made to work and the problem is not work. The problem is that when Adam and Eve chose to walk the opposite direction away from the Lord, that what it did is the consequence of that sin brought pain and difficulty into work. But the mandate hasn't changed. We were made to work and to do in partnership with who God is. That mandate has not changed. The, the issue that we're walking through is how do we get how do we get to that place where we understand God's designed me for something and to be a part of that and to be able to step into it? God brought us into this life to be in partnership with him, to be working out and seeing what God is doing. And God loves it. And what we said last week is it's worship. When we put our hand to something, when we bring our creativity, when we bring our management when we bring the production or when we bring our voice or when we bring our ideas to our workplace, it's worship. It's reflecting a creator. It's actually powerful. It actually moves his heart, right? This is what's beautiful. Your work, you might be like tomorrow morning, you gotta make a sales phone call. You and I can move the heart of God because when it's done, it's unto him. It's, it's worship, it means something. Now, let me give you the, the, the best picture I could think of uh, of this is uh, when you had small kids and uh, the teacher would have them do a little craft, right? And they'd, so they'd grab the little macaroni and they would glue it to the paper and then they would bring it home to, to mom and dad and they would show it to you. And you'd say, oh my gosh, that is the most amazing dinosaur. And they'd say, well, that's you, mom. That's not, 
It's not a dinosaur. That's you. And you go, oh, of course it is. Oh, yeah, now I see the, the hair. I see that. I see that. That's not a dragon's tail. Okay, I get it. I see that now. And, but how meaningful was it? It was, it was cool when they were trying to fashion you. They were trying to picture who you were in macaroni. And then, and, but then as they go, the work they bring home is different. And in fact, one of, the, one of my, the favorite things that we do in our home, my wife, I give my wife all the credit for this, but uh, one of the things we want to do is speak, speak life and speak truth over our kids. And so uh, uh, our daughters, um, the word or the life that Megan speaks over them, uh, they kind of have a title. They're called the Diamond Girls. And what my wife, Megan, is doing all the time is just declaring who our daughters are. So literally, the women in our house are actually, they like have a club. They're known as the Diamond Girls. The dudes are not in it. Oh, I mean, we're diamonds, but it's like, these are the Diamond Girls. They got this club going on. It's in this amazing thing. And so, they, so she's just speaking over them. You have been made. Because of who God is, he's made you a diamond. You're rare. You're beautiful. You shine. You reflect his beauty and glory. And so she's speaking this stuff over them all the time. So now what's cool is sometimes when the artwork comes back, it's big, bright diamonds. And our daughters are saying, hey, we're the, this is our club. We're the Diamond Girls. And it's this amazing thing now, listen, where what, what has been spoken over them is being now reflected in who they are and the work or the art that's coming out of them. Church, this is who we are. It's what we were made to be and do. That God is looking to reflect his glory in and through our work and what we do to show the world how amazing he is. Well, So in addition to this ability to reflect the creator to the world through our work, not only that, but God is using our work to shape our lives. God is using our work to shape us into his image. So the question is, well, how? How is God using our job Maybe that sales call that you got, how is he using that to shape us into his image? And the answer is, it's because every ounce of what we do Monday through Friday, God is helping us live towards another day. Colossians chapter three, verse 23. I want you to see this. Colossians three twenty-three. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are actually serving the Lord Christ. So our jobs are actually shaping us for and towards another day, towards a total destination that all the people of God are headed toward for an eternity, right? This text is basically saying two things. You might have a job, you might have a boss, or you might have a corporation, but that's not actually who you're working for. I'm going to say that again. Listen, you, you likely work for a corporation, a company, or you've, you're working for a small business, you got a boss, or you're a small business owner. I can tell you this, and you know, and I know you know this as a small business owner. At the end of the day, you aren't even you aren't working for yourself. This scripture is saying you and I were working for the King of the Universe. That's who we're working for. 
That's what our job is ultimately about. And let me tell you, that is good news. And the reason that's good news is because every one of us have had those days where we look at our work and we think, ugh, not again. Or we've had those days where it feels frustrating or it's not working or it's absolutely, you've walked into your workplace and you feel unseen or you feel uh, uh, underappreciated or you feel undervalued. Now, I'm just gonna ask the question, how many of you have ever walked into a job before you feel totally, you felt unseen or undervalued or just unthought of in any way? You ever had that feeling? Yeah, everybody. We've all walked in and had moments where we're doing our job, but we don't actually feel seen. And the, the pull is to think that we, we don't have worth. And this scripture saying, hey, listen to this. Guess what? Your boss might not see you. The company may not see what you're doing. But let me tell you the good news. You aren't working for them anyway. You're working for the king who sees everything. Every ounce of your work is meaningful to him when it's done unto him. That's the beautiful news uh, that we get from this scripture. We get to think about that, right? I mean, we can, we've all, if, you've ha- if you have a family and you've had children, you know this, probably, there's probably not a more important job on the entire planet than parenting. Probably not a harder job or more important job on the entire planet than parenting. And especially when those kids are small. That's especially on you moms where you're like fully having to care for human life. Human life cannot go on unless you do what you do, right? And that kid is demanding food and giving you nothing except for diapers. It's all it's giving you, right? Kid, kids demand clothing. They demand shelter. They demand transportation. They demand cleanliness because we all know basically every kid under the age of three is essentially a walking cesspool of bacteria. That's all they are. It's just hands and butts and it's just all, and it's everywhere. And, that's, and they're just carrying stuff around everywhere. And it's all you do is clean constantly. Just, that's what we do. It's, and you get nothing in return except for like cute smiles and like hugs. And those are precious, but if you're being honest, there are those moments where you're like, if I have to clean up another bowl of spilt SpaghettiOs, I'm going berserk. And you feel the weight of that. And there isn't always a lot of people cheering you on and thanking you. And there's literally 10,000 things that you've done and no one sees and no one knows. No one's going, man, that was really of worth and value. And it's that moment where even in our parenting or mothering or fathering, the king of the universe says, well, I thank you for using the wipe on your kid. That's important. But what you're doing is unto me. It's for me. It's a service. It means something to me. And it's, it's such a powerful thing. I, I love the, um, you look, read the, the Babylon Bee. I, I don't know. It's a, just a, a Christian satirical web, uh, website, and they put out basically really funny headlines. And I just thought this one was so appropriate. House that took five hours to clean, destroyed by kids in 14 seconds there. And just a, a picture of a mom, right? 
This is in many ways so much of our experience. Whether you're a parent or not, you're putting your hand to something and it just sometimes it doesn't feel like you're going anywhere or you're getting anything done. And that's where the beauty of this scripture comes in and says, no, everything is, it matters. Everything. All that you do, the things that are unseen, the things that are seen, they matter to me. Every one of us has had bosses or been in that place that are demanding and they don't give you a look of feedback or whatever feedback they give you, maybe it's not helpful or maybe it's disappointing. Some of us, you've had employees that you're wrestling with constantly and you're trying to get them to partner up with what the company's doing and their work ethic isn't great and their production isn't great or you're in charge of their performance and the company's looking at you to figure out how to fix the whole thing. And all of that comes with some of our jobs. And we find ourselves in that place of finding our worth and value from being able to produce in that moment that will ultimately end up shriveling up or we'll find the stress or the weight of it crushing us. And the Lord wants to say, listen, all that you do is unto me. And if you can do it unto me, it's a game changer for how you see the world around you, for how you see your own life and for how you see your worth in Jesus. That's what he wants to bring us to. Now, the other thing that this, this scripture says is that every one of us, our real inheritance is not and never will be tied to who we work for or the paycheck we bring home. Our inheritance is in a coming age before a faithful, kind king. Look at what it says. Work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing what? that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. So good news. Your job, while it's awesome to get a paycheck and to be able to take care of your family, that's totally secondary to what's actually happening, which is every one of us is building an inheritance in the kingdom. Every one of us is pressing in toward a day that we'll actually live for forever, meaning we're here for one hour And we're toiling through our work, trying to make it, trying to get to the end. But at the end of the day, what we're actually working toward and for is a reward that is before the Lord. Listen to me. You can have a job that doesn't seem like it's producing much. You can have a minuscule paycheck. None of that has to do with the reward that is coming before us in heaven. I'm gonna say that again. Job titles, paychecks, And all of those things, while there may be helpful in this life, none of that defines the reward that's to come. What actually is coming is where our hearts were before the Lord as we did our work. This is what the Lord's work, this is what he's looking for in our lives. It's what he's calling us up to is to see whatever it is we're doing is greater and grander because we're building towards another day. We're building towards an eternity together as a people. It's what God is doing in us and through us. It's training us to believe that our worth is actually tied to another king and another day. And, I, and, and we can just be, can we we'll just be really honest that here in this, I'd say in this state, and even in this county in particular, there is so much value that is ascribed with the way that we're able to, what we're able to produce in this life, that our value and worth is 
tied to the numbers of people that are following us on Instagram or the, the amount of dollars we're able to provide for our families. And I th- again, we thank God for provision for families, but those things cannot define us or they'll crush us. And the Lord's saying, hey, that none of that will def- none of those things ultimately defines where we're all headed for an eternity. And the Lord wants to bring us into that place and say, hey, what you're building for is eternal. Will you partner with me in what you're doing on a Monday morning and on a Tuesday morning? Will you partner with me? The, guys, this is so important because you can have, like, you, you might be doing your dream job. You might be doing what you love to do. Everybody, everybody has find, can find things that they really enjoy, but some of you might be doing something. You're just like, I'm doing what I love to do. And even those of you, that you're doing what you love to do, we still have those moments that it, that it feels empty. Or we still have those moments that we don't enjoy what we're doing. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, I love my job. I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love what I get to do. I think, I think I'm stepping into, and I haven't arrived in any way, form, or fashion, but stepping into the call of God in my life. But there are parts of what I do that are hard. And... I remember just a couple of years ago, within the span of about, it was maybe eight or nine days, I did two funerals for two infants, two different families, one baby born stillborn, one baby that lived for about a day and passed away. Probably some of the hardest stuff I've done in my time in ministry. I love, love, love what I get to do. And I love honestly getting to be available to those families, to love on those families, but I'm telling you, that's hard. I don't ever ask for those kind of days. Those are the moments where you come before the Lord and say, Lord, this is hard. I want to, I want to do this as unto you. Every one of us has moments in our jobs where we're going, this is hard, and I don't, I don't, maybe I don't even enjoy doing this, so I'm, gonna ha- I'm bringing this to you, to do this unto you because it's building something for an eternity. So God is faithfully using our work to shape us into who we're becoming. And he, he kind of describes, or at least we get to see through Scripture, the way that he's doing that. If you look at Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, we'll start at verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of him, uh, will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good, here it is, whatever good anyone does, that he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Now just briefly, uh, bond servants are essentially they are indentured servants. Um, uh, meaning that uh, these, weren't, these people weren't free, but it was not like the, the slavery that we think of. When we think of s- slavery, we think of what happened in uh, America and the grossness of what took place uh, in the early part of our nation's history. And that's 
that is, that's a slavery that is abhorrent to God. And the scripture upholds that, Exodus 21 and 1 Timothy 1. And that's, that, that's evil. So, but when Paul is talking to bond servants, there are literally, there's an estimated 60 million bond servants in Rome. That's a kind of a rough estimate. And bond servants essentially were indentured servants, meaning they said they had a measure of debt or they needed help. And what they would do is they'd sign a contract saying, I'm, I'm going to work for you. You kind of own my life. I don't get to choose what I do. I don't get to choose where I live. I'm not a free person, but I'm indentured to you. I, I, I'm, I'm given to you. And you can actually even give my labor away to someone else. So, uh, but I, I have to do exactly what you asked me. to. So this is essentially a bad job. It's not a fun job. It's not an enjoyable these aren't, these aren't people getting to make dis, fun decisions. They're having to work off a debt uh, towards, towards a master. And as many masters we have seen all throughout history can be evil and mean. And so this is not a great job. If you can think maybe this is a bad job. So if you find yourself in a bad job, this should be a life-giving uh, scripture to you. And here's what it's saying. Listen, in the midst of whatever it is we're doing, if you find yourself even in a a rough job, God is shaping us in the doing. He's shaping us in moving forward. He's shaping us and training us in that place. If you look there, it says, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. And it says, I love this, not by the way of eye service or as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Meaning, listen, He's saying, you've been made a bondservant of this person and they may even be mistreating you, but I want you to change your mind and begin to see that who you are and what you do is in connection or is being bound to your savior, to the one who saves you and loves you and is for you. And so God's shaping us in this place. I love the words that you use here is this insincerity, meaning do what you do and do it well. No matter what the job is, do it with sincerity. Do it with a measure of honesty. Doing it the right way, right? Some of you will be faced in job situations that are gonna ask you, maybe you have a boss or you have a company asking you to do something that you know to be wrong. And what it's saying here is be a bond servant to Christ. Do what's right, even if it's costly to you because the reward isn't connected to here. It's connected to another day. It's calling us up a little bit and saying, hey, the Lord's using this to shape us, to shape who we're becoming. And we could choose to walk in things that are broken or we could just come into partnership with Jesus and say, Lord, how do you wanna use me in every situation and circumstance that you have me in? I love that, letting go of the people-pleasing game and then being able to give honor. So you know, even, even when it says, serve your earthly masters with fear and trembling, what's it saying? And saying, what you're doing, just do it with honor. Do it with honor. It reminds me of the scripture I love. Uh, it's always one of my favorite verses because I feel so challenged by it. Romans 12. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. I want to just even challenge you, even in your homes. Like, make this your anthem verse. Outdo each other in showing honor. Just Go above and beyond to show honor to each other in your homes, among your spouse and with your kiddos. And, 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 and then as it, 
from that place, let it come out into our workplaces. I love verse 11. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Every job situation, good and bad, and all the things that we have to do, all of those, they're shaping us. They're calling us, they're calling us into our, our calling and destiny in him, what the Lord's called us to. God's shaping us in the waiting. He's shaping us in that place where we're waiting, right? Some of you are going, hey, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but this isn't the end game. There's something else that God has for me. There's another level. There's another place. I believe that the Lord's asking me to, to take a step into some new places, or I have my sights on. Some of you grow up, I've got my sights on being a part of this, and I want to I want to step out. I want to bring life. I want to bring creativity. I want to bring hope and joy, but I want to be doing it in this arena or in a different place, but you're not there yet, and I just want to say, Man, welcome to the club. You're, if, if you're in that place, guess who was also in that place? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was for 30 years in the waiting before he stepped into something that was next for him. There's actually, there is zero record of what Jesus did from the age of 12 to the age of 30. Nothing, nothing written about it. No great incredible stories. Not that we have no idea. The only, you know what we know? The only thing we actually know, Mark chapter six. On the Sabbath, Jesus is teaching. This is after his ministry is uh, launched. He's teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished. They're saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and, and Judas and Simon are not, uh, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Essentially what they're saying is you hadn't done anything. You were essentially a stonemason, a carpenter. You worked with stones and wood and then you stand in here like you're worth anything, they're literally offended. You know why they're offended? Because he was supposed to be a nobody. You know why? Because he spent eight, at the very least, 18 years. 18 years. Here's my question. Are you okay in the waiting? Are you okay in the waiting? where you're not fully walking in whatever it is that maybe God has put in your heart to do? Are you okay in the waiting? Church, this is why this is so important. Because if we're working as unto the Lord, you can be in the mundane and win. You can be in the middle of the mundane and be alive. Be alive. Be full of purpose while you're in the waiting. That's a powerful truth to hold on to because what we do is unto the Lord. It's so powerful. And we'll finish with this and then we're just gonna, we'll finish with just a, a moment to connect our hearts to the Lord. Listen, finally, I love this. God is shaping us with his power. He's shaping us with his power. Colossians 1, 29. And uh, band, you guys can come up. We'll just finish here. Colossians 1, 29. Look, this is what Paul says. For this I toil, or this is, I, this, for this I work, struggling with all, whose energy? Struggling not with his own energy, but struggling with all God's energy that he powerfully works within me. Now here's, here's how Paul 
saw his work that he was doing. The work that I'm doing is, and the life and the power that it comes from is not from me. It's all coming from him. So he literally says, for this I work and for this I struggle with all of his energy and with all of his power at work within me. Paul understood this. Everything I'm doing, I might be struggling through it. I might be fighting through it. It may not feel like I've got a lot of purpose. I may not be in the totality of where I want to be long-term in my life. But I know this, everything that I'm pressing into, it's all empowered by my God. God comes and meets us in that place and He gives power. He gives life. It's His energy, literally. If you find yourself, listen, if you find yourself on a Monday morning and you're going, Lord, do I have to get out of bed again? Or Lord, I'm dealing with this issue with my kids and I don't think I can do this anymore. Or you find yourself toiling and struggling. There's a moment, if you will, there's a moment where every one of us can take a breath. Almost just inhale and say, Lord, I need your energy today. You're shaping me with your power, not my own. Would you come and meet me? That's what we're gonna ask the Lord to do. You guys stand, you can put your notes down, put your Bibles down. And we're just gonna, we'll finish here. And we're just gonna take a moment to connect with him and his identity over us, what he speaks over us. And here's what I'd like you to do. I just, whatever it is that your work is, whether it's at home or you go to an office or you go to a school or you go to a truck or wherever it is that you go. And we're just gonna take two minutes and say, Lord, I'm trusting that you're shaping me through this job. And here's what I want you to, I just want you to ask the question, God, what are you producing in me in this moment? What are you accomplishing in me? Can I just see? Would you open my eyes to see how you want to turn my heart towards you in what I'm doing? You may love your job. You may hate your job right now. Ask the question, Lord, show me what you're doing in me. How can I partner with you? speak words of life and honor in the place that I work? How can I receive new energy and power from you? Lord, would you give me grace in the waiting? I may not be fully there yet, but let me just trust you in this moment. say, God, help me see my job in light of eternity. My work is worship to you. Help me worship you with my work. Help me bring life and hope and joy into my workplace. 
Would you help shape me into your image? Would you fashion me? At every disappointment, let me, my eyes see you. We feel like we've hit a wall. Lord, let me look up and find you. Carry me through. Carry me through the wall. Shape us. Make us like you. We're going to sing this song of identity and just believing that God is making us something brand new. He's using and shaping us and making us into his image. And that everything we do is unto him because of who he is and what he's done. Let's sing this together.